National Science reporting in again. I've heard Ken Fallon's request for more shows, and um, he should be careful what he asks for. You just might get it. And uh, what I think you're going to get today is a rant from me. I warn you first, I, I, I'm not going to really say things that are particularly agreeable, and some of the things I say might or might not even be accurate, but they are reflective of how I feel. Today, I want to deconstruct Ubuntu. What I'm really saying is that I want to, for those of you, I know a lot of you guys use Ubuntu, and you know, that's fine, and if you really like it, you should use it. I just want to give you another perspective, and uh, perhaps a, an exit to enter into other options. First of all, I'll start with just a little bit of history about me and my Unixy, Linuxy background. I've n never really felt very comfortable with Windows from the beginning, and, th and the reason why, and the reason why a lot of people don't feel that comfortable with, with Windows, is that if you went to school in the United States, if you grew up in the United States and went to elementary school upwards, there's a good chance that you were using Apple computers. Um, for a long time, it seemed that Apple computers were the de facto standard of the school systems throughout the United States. Um, starting with the Apple II and going up into the Macintosh, the early the early Macintosh computers. This is what most of us really had. At least that's what I know. I lived in many parts of the country. Um, this changes when you get into the commercial world. Um, outside of the school environment, you really found that the whole world was really becoming more and more dominated by Windows. I didn't get to use my first Unix computer till college. My, the college I went to had Sun Solaris computers, and uh, there was something about it that just gravitated to me. There was something about its leanness, its lack of flowery commercialism that... Um, made me feel that I was actually dealing with something that was real. I uh, then went off from college to use Windows for many more years until I heard about this concept of Linux. And, you know, this kind of dovetails into my story. You know, there was this idea that was coming about that there was going to be a free operating system. And I was thinking to myself, that, that just sounds amazing. You know, the idea that somebody's going to create an operating system developed by a community of volunteers. And I was certain that the whole world was going to jump on top of this. Um, I thought that um, it was just obvious that um, everybody, and I'm not just talking about businesses and organizations, I was thinking everybody was going to be on top of Linux as a desktop. Windows and Mac were both going to be going away very soon. This... Um, I was really driven by this, and I remember at the time the the electronic stores in, 
they sold commercial Linux. They they sold they sold in a box. You can buy Red Hat in a box. You can buy SUSE in a box and take it home. It was just like you bought anything else for four, like forty dollars or whatever. And you can take it home and install it. I bought Red Hat and I tried to use it. I got pretty close, but at the time, the high speed wasn't so common. High speed internet. What was more common was dial-up internet, and that's what I was using at the time. And all of the manufacturers had gone to using what they called a Win modem, which I think was effectively just a piece of software, if I remember correctly. But the long and short of it is that it wasn't really there wasn't really a, a very easy way to get a Linux computer to use this Win modem. You you really had to go through some more hoops. This set me back for a couple of years. I went back to Windows for a couple of years. Until I t- took a job somewhere. And there was a, a guy at this job, and he was something like an uber geek, what I would describe as the super geek. He um, had a computer, and it was running Fedora. He loved Fedora, and um, he had managed to make his system look very slick. So I was probing him and asking him about, you know, how do you get going with this? And um, effectively, he he was somewhat helpful to me, but, um, you know, he had his other things that he needed to get done. So I decided it was time again to get started and um, try my Linux adventure once again. And I, I went with Debian. That was my first choice. And the reason why it was my first choice is because it was what my... I, I had a service with a hosting company. The hosting company used Debian, and I thought that it made sense to use, try to use Debian. It seemed fairly straightforward. It was completely free. It was very small. And... And um, it was... Uh, a, 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 it, it seemed like a good idea. So I, I installed Debian, and this was Sarge. Um, it wasn't very easy. I remember um, getting all the way till I got to the command line. I, I got through, you know, partitioning, setting up the partitioning, and got through uh, selecting all of the various options it asks you. And I got to the command line, and that part went fine. What didn't go fine was X Windows and the whole GUI interface. Um, Debian Sarge was just a difficult system to turn into a Linux desktop. In came Ubuntu. Not I, I didn't even get anywhere with Debian at that point. I, I just um, I started hearing more about this new Ubuntu system. And in came Ubuntu. And it was uh, much easier. It it was it was very pleasant um, to install the installation process and all of the X Windows X Conf challenges were solved. It came much more minimalist than it comes now. It had fewer th- uh, moving parts, but you know the, the sound was working well. Um, the the uh, interface was attractive. And uh, it, it was a it, it was it was a nice system for a while. I don't remember what version of Ubuntu this was that I used, but um, it was something much older than what we have today. 
The next piece, though, is that by the time that Debian Etch came around, I decided to give Debian another shot. By this release, Debian had improved dramatically, and I quite. If I, if I look over the, my history with Debian, I saw the, the, the jump from Sarge to Etch as being a huge, huge chasm. I mean, a lot of things were addressed. And um, I went to it. I, uh, I, I, it. It wasn't anywhere near as hard as it had been in the past. And um, through package management, I could install X-Windows and KDE, which is what I was using at the time. And I used that system for a long, 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 long time. Later came Lenny, made things yet again even better. And um, today we know that we're squeezed, and squeeze is really quite exquisite at the same time. What I'm really trying to say is that in my personal case, and this, this is all opinion, but there's few things in life that I think are actually perfect. Um... But I do think that Debian is a perfect system, and it's one that you could consider if you're an Ubuntu user. You should, if you're an Ubuntu user, you should try Debian at some point. Um, If not only for curiosity. The nature of really what Debian is about, and you know, I'm not a member of the Debian project, and I, I do not speak for Debian in any sense of the word, but Debian is about stability and customization. I'll get into this a little bit more, uh, but, you know, rather than having, you know, a set release cycle, the six-month period and so on, where effectively people just push anything out of the door, um, full of bugs, the concept of Debian is that it doesn't get released till the bugs are squashed. And what, what, when you get Debian, you're really getting some highly scrutinized code and software. So what am I trying to say now? Uh, I'll, uh, I'll try to accelerate things if you've listened so far. Try not to put you to sleep too much. But um, what I'm saying right now is that the Linux desktop is dead. And I really do mean that. And I'll take that even further, is that I think actually the desktop in general is dead. And when I say that, I'm talking about from a market share perspective, the amount of people in the population who will be able to, who will continue using desktops is going to continually decrease. And that's going to change things. The desktop is not dead for me, and it most likely is not dead for you. The desktop or the laptop, I look at them kind of the same. They'll, 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 they'll never be dead for me because I'm a software engineer by profession, and that's my hobby as well. And if you write code or configure machines, if you administer machines, then you'll never do this from a, from a phone or a tablet, I don't think. You're going to have a, a, a full-frame computer in your house. But... The population in general, of which you probably are not characteristic of, if you're listening to this show, you're probably not representative of the population in general. Um, They're not going to be using that much desktops and laptops in the future. 
and um, I, I'm becoming more and more convinced of this. I see it in some of the people I know. I, I know a, a friend of mine in, in San Diego. She has an iPhone, and she has no other computer system in her apartment. Um, there's no laptop or anything that she does. The the iPhone does 98% of what she needs to be done with a computer in a month's time. If she wants to check email, she checks it from there. If she wants to use Facebook or something like that, she uses the app and checks it from there. Um, if if she needs something more complex out of the computer, she will go to a library or use it at work. She is a, is one example. I also have other examples. If you notice, a lot of people are just not upgrading their computers anymore. Even if you have a computer in the house, they're not buying new ones. They're maintaining their older XP systems if they use Windows. And they're, they're just getting what they need out of XP when they use it occasionally. And I can see how these people are just not really... In the, in the near future going to be spending a lot of time in front of desktops. The reason is, even for my phone, which is an Android phone, I sometimes use it rather than using the, the computer if I just don't feel like waiting for the computer to turn on. Um, especially with regards to checking email. I don't do the Facebook or Twitter thing. I really don't like either of those products, but you get the picture. Um... So, you know, the whole desktop concept as a commercial entity is going to be under increasing pressure, and this is not going to be good news for Microsoft in particular. Apple, the different beasts, they have a whole slew of devices, and they look like they have a better chance. Um, Microsoft is really very centered on the desktop. That That's really their bread and butter. And I, I, I don't see a lot of people going out to buy... Um, more of the same Windows software um, for new computers at home. But if you really want to talk about who's going to be a really big loser, I think it's going to be Ubuntu. I think that they are just too late to the desktop game. Um, they're getting in right as everybody's losing interest. And, you know, I'll say something about Ubuntu. When I first started using it, they used to have a saying that said, Ubuntu, Linux for human beings. So their goal was to try to convert all of these various uh, uh, Windows and Apple Mac OS users to Linux users now with a system that's going to be going to be so easy and so agreeable. My experience is that I don't know that how much of that has happened. I don't know many people who. Um, have really left the Windows world for Ubuntu. Um, most of the Ubuntu p users I know actually happen to be pretty highly technical people who were probably geared towards a Unix-type system regardless. Um, I, I don't know that I, 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 I see Ubuntu having really captured the minds of some of the of, of the masses of general users out there. And really what I think that Ubuntu kind of has done is, is really more cannibal, uh, just, just, just 
attacked its own market share, which is the Linux, general Linux market share. I, um, I'm not really sure how much they're adding either to Linux. You know, I can make a lot of these same accusations against commercial Linux in general, Red Hat, and um, whoever owns SUSE these days. But at the very least, Red Hat is kind of an upstream company. They, for the most part, contribute back to projects that they that they use, and um, they also do a lot of Linux Linux kernel modification. They're actually, as far as a commercial company, they are the biggest contributor to the Linux kernel project, which all Linuxes um, benefit from. Um, Ubuntu doesn't do that. Ubuntu does not like to contribute back to projects, and you can see this in the GNOME version that they use. It's not upstream GNOME. This is a very different GNOME with a lot of Ubuntu-only things on it. And the, you know the same can be said with their relationship with Debian. Um, when they make adjustments to the packages that they are using to various parts of their networking system, they don't necessarily get it back up through the chain. So really, when you're using Ubuntu, you know that it, that's their goal. Their real goal is is really not to be part of this system that we've built, this open source system. Um, they, they're really trying to differentiate themselves, and it, it, it comes with some trouble. Not only that, but the, the, the most recent versions of Ubuntu are getting increasingly more bizarre. Um, it's coming with so much software on it that I would never, ever use, from Twitter clients and various other social media stuff. They've got a cloud computing service in the operating system now. So when you're an Ubuntu user, you're you know, ready to get going to use Ubuntu One and various other canonical cloud products. I would never use such a thing. There's an Ubuntu store in there, which is very unusual, especially when, you know, we have open source uh, apps repository GUIs like Synaptic, which have been perfectly fine. And, um... It comes with OpenJDK in that system, which, if you don't know, is the open-source Java version, which I would not need for any reason anymore. Um, I generally try not to run Java applications on my computer, and I, I, I feel that Java is more of a risk than a value these days. And also, um, a bunch of .NET things, Mono programs, Tomboy notes. I mean... This is just not choice, and I'll, 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 let me try to break something down. One thing I always loved about Linux users is their, their diversity. Um, people put together systems that they like that fit their use. This is not really so true of Apple users. When you look at one Apple computer, and then you go to another Apple user and you look at their computer, it's very likely to look the same. Apple users use the same apps. They use the same layout, the screen configuration. It, it, it's a very monolithic culture. They're, they're following what Apple's telling them to do. 
And the same can generally be said about Windows. Almost every Windows computer generally looks the same, more or less the same software on it. When you look at a Linux, your Linux user, your Linux user generally has a computer. If you take 10 Linux users and you look at their computers, and I'll preface that with 10 non-Ubuntu Linux users, you're going to see 10 systems that are entirely different. And that goes back to me. Uh, my system, I don't like GNOME in general, so I don't use it. Um, it it's just too much, too many things going on. It, um, it, I use LXDE. And I don't use OpenOffice. If I need something like that, I'll use Gnumeric, Abbey Word. Um, but I, I don't need OpenOffice on my computer. I don't actually need um, the Totem Music Player. All of that is just excess. And um, in my case, what I use is a Debian squeeze system running LXDE. And it has the software I want on it, which would be things like KeyPass, um, the GIMP, GThumb, um, FileZilla, Chrome. I, I Chrome is a nice browser. And for sound, you know, I use VLC. And I, I also like mPlayer, but I usually use VLC. That's all I need on my computer. I don't really need um, a company to help me choose what I, I like. And, you know, this, this, goes, this goes to, you know, the next piece. In the case of Debian, Debian's very unified. It, it, there's only one Debian. And it's, at its core, very simple and very small. If you examine the Ubuntu universe, you see something that looks very different. Ubuntu is a GNOME distribution. It, it, it can't be anything else. Other entirely separate distributions are Kubuntu, Lubuntu, and Xubuntu. None of those others are really supported by Canonical. Canonical only supports Ubuntu. The Kubuntu team is a very, very small number of people. And when you go down to other Lubuntu, I mean, it's, you're talking about a handful of guys who are supporting this attempt at diversity. Um, that, that, that just doesn't seem healthy to me. And, and, and you know, I can, I can tell you because I actually have an Ubuntu support contract. Um, that's one of the best things I think about Ubuntu, that they actually offer support contracts for people like me for some small amount of money. And I have a, a, an Ubuntu support contract mainly because I use Ubuntu at work. Um, my workplace, um, the software developers are standardized on Ubuntu. And... Um, I, I, I use it at work. And you, you, when you talk to Ubuntu people on the phone, you realize there's a lot of parameters to what they can help you support and what they cannot help you support. They officially support Kubuntu, but they say that they can't really, uh, they can't really guarantee you that they'll be able to help you. Um, they will make an effort to help you, but they can't guarantee you know, if, if they don't know it right off the top of their head, they're going to have to close the case. 
Concerning the other smaller Ubuntu's, they I don't even think they'll even start the case for those. Um, if there's a problem with Lubuntu, you're really kind of just on your own. And this is just strange. Another way in which Ubuntu's fragmented is with the with the three versions that they put out. They put out, or they might have been down to two versions now, but at least at one point they offered a desktop version, a netbook version, and a server version. The server version is a little more than just basic Debian, with more clutter around it. And um, I've used it. I was actually using it at one point for one of my servers, and it, it was okay for a while. Um, I that that server died, and I tried to use it uh, use Ubuntu server again, and the app repositories were completely off that day. I, I just gave up on it. I've just gone back to you know 100% Debian in my fleet of computers, and you know the idea of separating OSs by desktop server and netbook it, it just doesn't that, that that's not technically sound. I mean it, it it's sound from a marketing perspective, but it, it it's not a technical necessity. And so you know this is uh. What I'm saying is that if you, if you are an Ubuntu user right now, you're 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 probably, you know, a bit more technical than average, or you have a little bit more adventure in your system than average. What I'm saying is that you can create a system that is really built for you. I don't know what you like. Everybody likes something different, but I can tell you that Ubuntu is not for everybody, and it's probably not really for you. <laughs> It can't be. It's for everybody, which means it's for nobody. You know, it's one of those things where you create something so complex that it's supposed to meet everybody's needs, but it actually meets nobody's needs in the end. And I, I implore you to, you know, it doesn't have to be Debian. It can be something else. I, I, I would think that Debian would be a natural trajectory because Debian systems are similar to Ubuntu systems so it, it it won't be so wildly different as if you if you did try to use something like Slackware or Gentoo now you're going to find that you're in a really different world and you know that might be a step further than what you are looking for but um I, I'm just thinking that um, Ubuntu has really come about as far as it can go. Um, they made an impressive splash, and I think their, their their core mission failed. I don't think that the other Linuxes are that m much more difficult anymore. You know, their idea was supposed to be they're supposed to be so much easier than other Linuxes, but I, that's not really the case anymore. I think it was the case once upon a time, but I don't think it is anymore. And I, I think they're they're chasing a market that that's just too elusive. You see, where, where Linux has always thrived is really at the, uh, on very big systems and very small systems. Linux is fantastically on the ser in the server space and on you know supercomputers. Linux does spectacularly on set-top boxes as well. I have a little Roku box that powers my television, and um, Linux works very well in there uh, because those are areas where detail and um, measurement are are more important. Where Linux has just not done well is on this desktop or 
area, and I don't think it ever will do well. I don't think it has to do well. We we do not need 50% of the world using Linux desktops or 75% of the world using Linux desktops. What I would prefer is just to help exit these people out of the whole desktop altogether. Just help them get out. They want out anyways. They They want to be in the tablet world. They want to be in the you know, smartphone world. That's their natural home. So we, we should start a process of trying to help migrate these people out of the whole desktop arena anyways, because it's probably an overkill for their needs. So, um, not sure I covered everything that was on my mind, but I think you get the general picture. This is Dismal Science um, checking out. Um, any comments? I'm sure I said a bunch of things that were crazy in this talk, but any anything, any burning things on your chest, you feel free to email me at dismal.science.hpr at gmail.com
Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.